0: Welcome to New Creation Ministries sermon podcast. God's plan for conflict resolution is clearly outlined in his instruction manual, also
1: known as the Bible. This weekend, Pastor Mark reminds us that right and wrong are established by God's word. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for being here with us today. Lord, no one is here today by accident. You drew them in because you love them them enough that you want to speak to them. And so, Father, we value that. We thank you for it. So we ask in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us. Speak to us as a body. Speak to us as individuals. Lord, let no one leave this place with the exact same mindset. That they may have walked in with, if it wasn't lined up with you. Give us eyes to see you, give us ears to hear you, and give us the grace to respond to you, in Jesus' name. And the church says, "Amen." Amen. How is everybody doing? It's good. Good to see you all. Um, you know, we are um, in the at the last week of the fast. And the home stretch, and like I said, it's not too late to join in. You can. I didn't haven't been a part of 40 days. You can still jump in right now and get the same reward as everybody else. So jump on in and just finish strong these last seven days. So like well, we what ends next Saturday. But one of the things we said, you know, the Lord is is building a new church here, and a big part of that is, you know, we're going to start our small groups up again, and we did that last year. Our small group we call them prayer houses. And like we mentioned, we're looking for leaders um, for who we're willing to host a small group. Um, We're trying to get them in all the different areas. We have people from Delaware. We have people from Stelbyville, We have people from all over the place. So if you're willing to host, um, we will train you on what you need to do. For this first one, it's going to be real easy. If you are able to hit play, um, you're halfway there because it's going to be a video series and then we'll have workbooks to talk about it. But if you're willing to host, Again, we'll walk you through it. And if you've hosted one before, you're willing to host again. Can you please sign up on the sign-up sheet outside? And um, again, it's not even about how many people are in our groups. Just being faithful. I mean, I used to, I used to do a Bible study with one person. <laughs> that was me. And, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it grew. So, so just if you're willing to do that, please sign up out there. And this year, we're going to be doing the bait of Satan as a body because we think it's so important. We're dealing with the spirit of offense what would happen if we laid a foundation of being a forgiving church? And we really want to achieve this goal of being, a, laying that foundation of being a forgiving church. And so along those lines, last week we talked about healing and forgiveness, forgiveness and healing. And um, this week we're going to talk about walking out the discipline of forgiveness. Walking out the discipline of forgiveness. And this is going to be multiple parts because... I found that I was going through it. It's way too much to try to throw it into one message. Last week, our focus was on healing, forgiveness this way. It really is between you and God, posturing yourself to forgive. Remember when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Well, everybody wasn't forgiven at that moment. Through Jesus Christ, God is willing to Forgive but in order for you to receive the forgiveness, what did you have to do? You had to repent and believe. So, but God is already positioned to forgive because of Jesus Christ. You now have to lay hold of that blessing by repenting and going to Jesus Christ. So the same thing in our lives. We can forgive people without ever talking to them. I'm positioning myself, I'm posturing myself to forgive. But now you don't give that blessing of I forgive you to that person until that person repents because you'd be wasting words. If they're not committed to stop doing what they're doing for you to say, well, I forgive you will be a waste of words. But you are already positioned to forgive, meaning you're no longer letting unforgiveness eat you up, that you're in right relationship with God. And that way, when they do finally humble themselves and say, I repent, then you can give that blessing. So that so last we talked about when I call, I call it positional. Forgiveness, making sure that your heart's good, making sure your heart's ready to receive. Now we're going to talk about walking it out, um, how we do it and how we're supposed to do it on a regular basis as children of God. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 20.
0: If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, It shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst.
1: Question. This is a familiar scripture to some of us. How many of you have seen this scripture done and actually seen it walked out? How often do you see people even talk about this scripture, right? Here's the ironic thing. I hear people preach on verse 18 all the time. Whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. But they don't, they're not talking about forgiveness. You know, I'm from a Pentecostal background. I bind it. Bind it. Loose it. They never mentioned forgiveness. I don't know what they were binding and loosing now. But when we really look at the scripture in context here, right? How often do we see this? This is Jesus' plan For conflict resolution. And I would say how many people in the church execute Jesus' plan for conflict resolution? Exactly. (laughs) That's what the Spirit of the Lord said. Because remember, if we are really followers of Christ, shouldn't we be following Jesus' plan for everything? This is what we refer to as church discipline. And one of the main reasons a lot of the church world is a mess today is because people do not do the church discipline that Jesus prescribes, right? And why don't people do the discipline that he prescribes? Because we love to be liked. And we fear being disliked, right? It's like the worst thing that can happen is you get are disliked. That's why they got rid of the button on social media. Remember there used to be a dislike button on Facebook? And gone. They probably got tired of me clicking it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just that anti. Because you you already get enough people celebrating you. Sometimes you're trying to keep you humble. (laughs) you take that picture of yourself, I just go, ew. (laughs) Dislike. And then I found myself, like, defriended. But because, but, but think about it. We love to be liked and we hate to be disliked. So we don't want to confront anyone with anything if the end result is they're going to dislike us. So let's look at this scripture, though. In verse 15, he says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault on Facebook. Right? Go talk to all your friends about it first. And say, you know, I want y'all to pray, but you know what I'm talking about. You really ain't trying to get them to pray. You just want to talk about them. Privately, go. And it says, and if you listen, you have won your brother. So the first thing we got to do is make sure, make sure if you got an issue with someone, that you are judging this person or this situation biblically. This scripture says, if your brother sins. So this is talking about another follower of Christ. These are the rules that apply to how you deal with another follower of Christ, another brother or sister in the faith. This is not how you deal with a non-believer. Remember I told you last week, many of us waste too much time being upset with non-believers. A non-Christian is going to act non-Christian. Not too deep? But how many times people are upset with somebody for not doing the Christian thing? Why are you expecting them to do the Christian thing? I can't believe they dis- disrespecting me like that. Well, they disrespect God like that. Why wouldn't they do you? So lower the expectation. I have zero expectations for an unsaved person. The only thing I have, not zero, I got one expectation that they're going to act unsaved. And that eliminates half my frustration. But this scripture, you got to first understand, okay, why am I upset? Who am I upset with? Am I dealing with a Christian Now, If you're dealing with someone who says they're a Christian, then the Bible applies to them. See, now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are people around you who say they're Christian, and you see plenty of evidence that they're not. But I don't even go by that. If you tell me you're a Christian, I'm going to treat you like one. And I'm going to hold the book up to you. And sometimes that helps even bring you, that might even show you that you're not a Christian. Hey, as, as, as a brother in Christ, I worked with somebody before and I knew they weren't saved, but they said they were. So when I see someone, hey, as a brother in Christ, how's that work? How, as, a, hey, as a fellow brother in Christ, the Bible says this, how does that work? Do you know, I, I, I didn't realize I wasn't a Christian until I ran into a real one. But I thought I was until somebody held me accountable to God's standard, which revealed I wasn't and helped me to get saved. Remember I said if you're deceived and you know you're deceived, you're not really deceived. I'll say it again. If you're deceived and you know that you're deceived, you're not really deceived. A deceived person thinks the way that I do life is absolutely right. And they'll think the way that I do life, God is okay with. The only way to not be deceived is you must have a reliable source of truth. Let me help you. Are your feelings a reliable source of truth? Your mind, Never. your heart, Never. other people, Never. the news. <laughs> so, the only reliable source of truth is the Word of God. So, of course, you can easily deceive yourself if you're only comparing right and wrong based on how you feel. So, if someone claims to be a Christian, then we apply the book to them, just like you apply the book to you. Look at 1 Corinthians 5 9 through 13.
0: I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reveler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among
1: yourselves. So look at what Paul is saying. Paul is writing the church, right? Now, these scriptures aren't really popular. You probably won't hear them preached anywhere else today. And um, if it's your last time here, at least least I heard it once. (laughs) But, But look at what Paul is saying. He said, look, when I told you not to hang out with immoral people, I wasn't talking about the world. Remember, we have to reach the world. He says, but I'm talking about anyone who calls themselves a brother or sister in Christ. If they are still living a sinful life, they're still living an immoral life. He says, don't even eat with that person. Now, how often do you see the church walk that out? Ah, oh, don't worry. God's working. God's working on them. Now, this is what the Bible says. Again, people get upset with me like I wrote it. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it and I believe it. But think about this. He says, for what do I have to do with judging outsiders? See, we say you're not supposed to judge. The Bible don't say that. It says, judge not lest you be judged with the same measure let you judge, let it be measured back to you. We all have the same measuring stick. Please, please judge me by the word of God. That means you care about me. Rest assured, I'm going to do the same for you. Right? He says, but we judge those in the house, not outside. Don't waste your time, but inside. We must make judgments inside the house of God. So first thing is, who am I dealing with? Am I dealing with the believer or non-believer? You probably can wipe out most of your issues if you spend most of your time being upset with non-believers. Now, the next thing is, once I've figured out who I'm dealing with, is what I'm dealing with sin or difference? All right, come on, get your steak knives out today, we're going to do a little eating. Am I dealing with sin or difference? Is what I'm dealing with a biblical wrong or just a difference in conviction? Is it a difference in what I call normal? Because see, I got my own normals and then I see some things that I think are abnormal, right? It's, it's a, I got this checklist of things that I just think are right and things that are wrong. I got, I'm a, I'm a person of principle, right? If you're around me long enough, You know, my principles, Pastor Mark, don't wear pink. (laughs) Look, they did something for the school the other week, the other week, our school did something. They were like, hey, guys, they want the whole team to wear pink socks. There was one pair left. (laughs) It's like, that's just my principle. All right. I got certain principles. I let when I go to restaurants, I let them do what they do. Right. I don't want a burger. From Red Lobster. <laughs> right? There's just certain things. I know people like it. I don't want a steak for my hop. It's like I just I just got certain principles. So when I see people violate those principles, I'm like, mmm, that's wrong. <laughs> right? But it's not wrong, it's different. But to me, for me, it would violate my principles. Are we getting this? And so sometimes there are things that I would do for people they may not necessarily do for me. That doesn't mean they wronged me, right? So I could give Chris a ride. Chris asked me for a ride, I give him a ride. No problem. Next week, my car breaks down. I'm like, Chris, can you give me a ride? He's like, no. And I'm like, hmm, they only give you a reason. Uh, Your car not working? No, car's running fine. Busy? Nope, ain't got anything going on all week. Now, he gives me that no. I go back to Shannon. I can't believe Chris. How dare he? After I gave that dude a ride last week, he didn't give me no gas money or nothing. And now I'm offended with Chris because to me, he did something that was wrong. No, he did something that was different than what I would have done. Understand this, y'all. If you ever ask anyone a question, no has to be an option. If no is not an option... You weren't really asking them. You were commanding them. It's a hard teaching. So understand. (laughs) So understand this, y'all. A lot of times, how often are you upset with somebody because they didn't do what you would have done? But you can't find a scripture that says, Chris should have gave me a ride, thus says the Lord. (laughs) But I'll treat him like he sinned. Are we getting this? Different is not wrong. It's just different. Y'all, you will not, that will knock out 90% of your arguments. Most, of, most marital stuff is over difference. Not right and wrong. Not biblical right and wrong. People see life differently. Now understand, we live in a culture and a time now, if you see life differently than the majority, you get labeled. Something's wrong with you, Right? You be called insensitive, you get called everything, right? You can say something. I, I, remember COVID? <laughs> Y'all yeah, <I> remember COVID. <laughs> Do you remember what was happening during COVID? You had two groups of people who were at odds with each other the maskers and the non maskers. And I'm talking about in the church world, right? And so many people were upset. People were leaving churches and breaking fellowships because each person had their own thought on the mask. Oh, that ain't right. They're squelching our freedom. You know, people got upset with me. Pastor, they're squelching our freedom. I said, look, man, the Bible says if the government says do it, you do it. Unless it's causing you to sin. Nobody was sinning because they were wearing a mask. They're trying to crush your freedom. Let Let me show you the Bible. Jesus lived in a time when the government was crushing their freedoms. Yep. But he said, just give Caesar what Caesar's and give gods what's gods. Amen. And keep on praising, keep on worshiping, right? You know, yeah, some people they just had to prove a point. I'm going to show that this mass thing is foolishness. And then when COVID put it on their butt, they said, you ain't hear him as much. <laughs> now, but people were separating over that. Hey, during that same season, it was the perfect storm. People were separating over political beliefs, right? It was the perfect storm. Most people didn't even watch politics until COVID kept them home. And because you watched the news, politics got in there, right? So people were like, if they found out who you voted for, they were cutting you off. Am I making this up? There are places and churches still divided. Because of somebody's political affiliation and who they voted for and why. That's why I'm never going to tell you. all I'm an independent registered and I'm never going to tell you all if I voted at all, let alone who I voted for. How could you not vote? Man, it's my business. But how many people divided over those things? Right. And did those political figures give you a call? Hey, thank you for sacrificing all those friendships and all those connections just to say you got my back. Y'all get that call? Let me help y'all with this, y'all. Look, you got the right to do what you want to do. Just run it by the Lord. And if you and the Lord are good with it, that's all that matters. Now, real world, I told the church this yesterday. I, I kind of know the area we live in. Uh, most of us are too poor to be affected by who's in charge anyway. Because <laughs> to the government, they say everybody who makes less than 200 grand is poor. Raise your hands you're poor. <laughs> Don't even get caught up in that mess. <laughs> don't even get caught up in that. Just keep focusing. But understand, difference, we got to be able to allow that, right? And so understand, y'all, we live in a culture in a time where we don't accept differences. But we get caught up with the loudest voices. Don't always listen to the loudest voices, y'all. And I got man, come on, we got a place that is loud and wrong, right? I just found the loudest voices and the loudest people shouting stuff are yelling a lot of stupidity. And if you don't go with the stupidity, they say something's wrong with you, right? That like people think, like people will tell me things, oh, you know, and, and I don't, I'm not doing political stuff. I just do Bible stuff, you know. When somebody says, well, it's my body, my choice, I say, well, my Bible says, no, it's not your body, it's God's body. Amen. That's what my Bible says. Well, women make babies. No, my Bible says God makes babies. He says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, he didn't say anything about her. He said before, he told Jeremiah, before I formed you, if women could just make babies, and snap your finger and make one. Come on. <laughs> if that was the case, everybody who want one would have one. Is that right? That's just Bible. Right. So now, but if you but if you say that out loud, the louder voices say, no, you're this, you're hateful, you're this, you're anti this and that. Like, I'm just talking wisdom and common sense. Right. You're a boy or a girl. You don't get a choice. That's just common sense. Right. We know this. That's why we even do gender reveals. We don't just have a blank balloon, <laughs> right? I went, to the, I went to the doctor's office up in Delaware and they said, what is your pronouns? And I just, I wrote in there, call what you see. <laughs> I'm just sorry, y'all. I'm just living a life of coming out of the stupid. But here's the thing. We engage in this kind of stuff where we just go with the loudest voices. And we're and we just too lazy to find the truth sometimes, and we keep going to the loudest voices. I had this example when I was in, when I was in high school, y'all, and I wasn't saved, so don't judge me for that. <laughs> but when I was in high school, I, I wasn't very studious, but I always found out the best way to cheat. And so we had this guy in my class. His name was Todd, and I'm in chemistry. And nobody, nobody in the class seemed to know chemistry. We thought Todd knew chemistry, so we're like, Todd. You going to give us the answers to the test? He's like, I got you. Yes. So and the test is going on, and everybody's looking over at Todd. Todd's like, number one is A. <laughs> number two is B. Like, we had even a hand system. Like, all the way down, we do the test, and the whole class fails the test. <laughs> and I approached Todd. Todd! Come on, man. What happened? He said, I told you to give the an- I gave you the answers. I ain't not tell you they were right. <laughs> and do you know what was even worse? Even after that, we still kept going to Todd for more answers. You know why? Because to get the right answers would have caused us to stop being lazy. And that's our culture. The culture keeps yelling loud and wrong answers over and over again. And even in the church culture, sometimes we just go with the culture rather than stop being lazy and go check for facts. Go check for truth. Go see if that lines up with God's word. Are we getting this? So I'm going to back off of that a little bit. The whole point is this. Don't be afraid to be different. Because different doesn't mean wrong. But also, neither does someone else's difference means wrong. There is such thing as absolute truth, Amen. and truth and facts don't care about your feelings. Are we getting this? Yeah. So now the word, the word of God, though is reliable. It gives me these guides for the forgiveness discipline. Is this the next question I ask myself? Okay, now I've established it's a believer or not. I see that this is a biblical sin. Something I can call sin. The next question is, is this a sin against God? Meaning a broken commandment. That's a sin against God. Or is it a sin against you, which is a broken commitment? An intentional sin against you is a broken commitment. Notice I said intentional sin against you is a broken commitment. So in my relationship with Shannon, all I can expect from her biblically is she's the type of wife the Bible describes. You know what the Bible don't say? Doesn't say she'll have a meal and my slippers waiting for me when I get home. (laughs) She said that's right. (laughs) But we all have expectations of what we think someone else should be doing. And I always ask, where did you get those expectations? You know, I was, as we work with couples, we'll find somebody say, well, my husband should be doing this and this and this and this and this. I was like, mm, that all sounds good. Where'd you get that from? He's like, me. I said, are oh, you a reliable source of truth? <laughs> no. Could you be wrong with your expectations? Possibly. <laughs> so understand this. If it's in God's word as a sin, then I call it a sin. Against God. But if it's against me, so Mackenzie could tell me, hey, I'll meet you at 7. She doesn't show up till 7.15. She didn't sin against God. She sinned against me. (laughs) We getting that? But now, if we just said we'll meet around 7 and she shows up at 7.30... I might, in my expectation, you would have been here at seven. She didn't sin against God or me. She just interpreted around seven differently than I did. Are we getting this? Now, my late folk, y'all know what time on time is. <laughs> All right, this is going to keep moving. <laughs> so understand Colossians three thirteen through 14. You're going to probably hear this a lot over the next few weeks.
0: Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony.
1: Make allowances for other people's faults. And most of the times what you call faults are just differences. Right? Everybody doesn't do it the same. Right? You would think. When you work with with couples, you would think, like, man, I guess he never knew how to drive until she got in the car. (laughs) She didn't know how to make any decisions without his input. Right? No, we've been living without you (laughs) for a long time. But what happens is in our relationships, we say we don't, we want somebody different but we keep slowly trying to make them into us because we believe our way works because it's been working for us, and if I didn't work for me, I wouldn't keep doing it that way. Are we, is this helping anybody? So understand this. It's, it's a forgiving mindset. A forgiving mindset is people are different than me, and that's okay. When we say every piece matters, Let go ahead and lay out a puzzle. All the identical pieces don't fit. It's the opposite pieces that give you the whole picture. If you are just like me, I don't need you. But because you're not like me, I need you. It's your difference that makes you necessary. That's why the scripture told me there's all these different parts of the body. We don't need a whole bunch of eyes. We need every piece because every piece matters. Are we getting this? Hey, just a little quick little segue, praise break, man. One of the blessings with me doing meet and greet, brother stopped me in the back and said, Hey, Pastor Mark, once you know I gave my life to the Lord this week. Can we give it up for Jesus for that, brother? Man. Praise the Lord. Now, once we've established again that it's, we got it now. Is this a sin? I'm overlooking all the faults. Is this a sin? The question has to become is this, a, um, sorry, is this a sin? unto death. Let's, is it a sin against God? If it's a sin against God, is it a sin that's leading to death? 1 John five sixteen to 17.
0: If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death.
1: How often y'all talk about this verse? That there's, there's actually sin not leading to death. And he said, if you see that sin, then you should pray. No one didn't say you should run in. You should ask God, and God will give that person the revelation they need. See, the sin that doesn't lead to death is the sin of ignorance. Or the sin of immaturity. Everybody doesn't know what you know. I've been walking with the Lord for twenty-five years. And there are people who want the Lord for 35 years can show me something new. I'm not allowed to act like a one year old anymore. Right? But I'm not God's not expecting me to act like a twenty-six year old either. There's sometimes there's sins that people don't know. Especially they, man. There are certain things that people just aren't aware. When I first got saved, I was a cursing Christian. I've been cursing since I was five years old. I would correct improper cursing. I was a professional. <laughs> Look, Shannon, got, when Shannon got with me, she really didn't curse, so she would try to curse, try to make it cute. Like, oh, baby, stop, me. stop. <laughs> Stick with the grammar. I got this. And, and so, but now, if you, when I first got saved, and you heard me talk, you'd be like, oh, he ain't a Christian. He's not a Christian. Listen to, his, look, listen to him. Listen to him. Rather than coming and trying to help me, you would just tell me what I'm not. Isn't that what we do? Right, they said they're a Christian, but I heard them the other day. Well, you ain't know what they were doing before. So when I first got saved, me and Shannon lived together. We were in a sexual and moral relationship. Get saved, sexual morality's out. Not, not happening. Now, we still live together. We ain't know anything about living together. We started reading the book of John. I remember I went and saw my uncle. And my uncle told me, I'm so happy seeing my uncle. Like, uncle, I got saved. I got saved. He couldn't, he couldn't even celebrate me being saved for one minute. What about that living situation? I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I'm not having sex. Uncle, I thought you'd be happy with that. I, and my aunt had to give him the back off. <laughs> my aunt was like, leave him alone, man. Your boy just got saved. But isn't that how we treat people, though? We, we don't know how far they've come. We just, wh- why are you not where I'm at? Now, we started reading John, and I'm feeling good. We did not, man, we had no slip-ups, no none of that. We got saved in January. There was no slip-ups, no mess-ups. We get to Matthew, and we read the scripture, if a man lust at a woman, he committed adultery of the heart. And I'm like, whoa, all right. Now, I'm not having sex, but that's going on. What I just got was a revelation. Understand this, as a Christian, we walk in revelation and repentance. Meaning when I get a revelation that I'm sinning against God, I then repent, thank God for Jesus, and I don't go back again. We don't live in revelation and repetition. Once I know it's wrong, it's done. But there's plenty of people that didn't know, so I didn't know. And once I found out, I was like, whoa, Shannon, let's get a marriage license. She was like, all right, when you want to get married? Like Friday. (laughs) And that sin was gone. So understand this. There are sins that don't lead to death. Some people are doing things in ignorance. If we're really making disciples, we should want to come alongside them. If you see them trying to walk with Jesus, come alongside them and say, hey, let me help you. Let me guide you. Let me walk with you. Let me show you the word of God. Are we getting this? And it says, and if you see somebody, sometimes you can't just force all the revelation you have on a child. Right. Come on. You see an infant when a a kid is like real small, they do some stuff that's not allowed when they get older. You don't try to force all your revelation on them. At age 40, am I going to push all 40 years of revelation on a one year old? So no, I pray. Okay, Lord, protect and watch over them. I don't even have to correct that until their time is right. And when the Holy Spirit says, now it's time to correct that. Now there's a difference between sins of ignorance and immaturity versus rebellion. Hebrews 10:26 says, if we willfully sin after we receive the knowledge of the truth, meaning I know this is right and I know this is wrong. I know the difference and I'm still going to choose wrong. That's called rebellion. He says in Hebrews 20, 10, 26, if we willfully sin after we receive the knowledge of the truth, we are now insulting the spirit of grace. Those are different rules. Is this the sin of rebellion or is this the sin of ignorance? Because whatever it is will determine how you approach that person. So we should be quick to listen, slow to respond. But then when we respond the scripture says if there is a sin, then you go to them. Don't talk about them. Talk to them. Now, the Bible says as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Sometimes you can try to go to somebody and they just don't want to hear it. They may not want to give you the time of day to talk to them. That's fine. You've tried. But as long as it depends on you, be, be peaceful with all people. So it says first go to them. Then it says the next time, if they won't listen, if they won't listen, go to them with someone, and I put on there, someone who cares about their soul. Don't go to one of the sin police. Because they got, they, they already got warrants out for food. Oh, what, you got somebody? No, no. Anybody's eager to rebuke someone. Something's wrong. The purpose of rebuking is not setting someone straight. The purpose of rebuking is to restore someone to a place of honor. That's right. If you're eager to correct somebody, you might have some bitterness in your heart. Man, me and Pastor Satchel have been together for a long time. You know, one thing I'm not eager to do is to straighten out his kids. Oh, I can't wait to get Levi, man. I can't wait to straighten him out. Something's wrong if I'm eager to straighten out his kids. Something's wrong. If we're eager and excited to straighten out God's children, something might be wrong in their relationship. Before you check their relationship with God, you better check your own. If you get excited about rebuking people, man, whenever I got to correct somebody, I got fear and trembling. I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm nervous. Hey, 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 look, hey, I, hey. I, I, I go into, here's what I'm not trying to do. I'm not trying to do this. You're like, because it's God's child. But my heart is to restore them to a place of honor not to see them get payback. The third step says, tell the church. If they won't listen after you've gone to them with someone else, tell the church. Now that could be church leadership. I'm assuming it's church leadership, but it it just says tell the church. And so if you tell the church, the church you want to rally around this person and try to restore them to a place of honor as well. Then it says, if they refuse to repent after the church has addressed them, Cut them off from the church. And that don't get many amens. But that's what that scripture said. And we struggle with this because the loud voices have been wrong about the purpose of the church for years. The loud voice, oh, the church is a hospital full of sick people. No, it's not. All oh, the church we want, it, we want the we want the we want the sinner to feel invited and welcomed into the church. Where'd you get that from? Let me help y'all with this, y'all. People want the sinner to feel at home in the church. If a sinner is comfortable in the church, then the gospel's not being preached. Because you, if you came into the church a sinner, and you and you hear the gospel preached, you're either going to change or leave. But you would not, this would not become a den of thieves, like we read in Jeremiah, he said the house of God become a den of thieves. How does the house of God become the den of thieves? Well, a thief comes to church. He doesn't hear the gospel. Hey, they give him all kind of new stuff. They make him feel great. And he goes like, man, they make me feel bad about being a thief. So he goes to his thieving buddies. And say, Look, I got a place, man, we can go and feel good about all our stealing all week. We go there, it's a good time, the music's great, and everything's great, and they won't even confront you about being a thief. And so all of a sudden, he invites his thieving buddies, they invite their thieving buddies, and next thing you know, you have a den of thieves. But you call it the house of God. Let me help y'all with this. And it seems harsh, but let's read 1 Corinthians 5, 1. First Corinthians 5, 1 through 8.
0: It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present.
1: So stop here for a moment. Paul is right in the church, and Paul is currently in prison. And look at what he says. There's sexual morality in your church, and you guys are acting arrogant like, oh, we're so loving. We're not going to judge anybody. We're just going to accept everything. God accepts you the way you are. Y'all, that's the loud voices. If God accepts you the way you are, why would he tell you to be like Jesus? If God accepts you the way you are, why would he command you to be like Christ? He would just tell you to hang with Christ and be like you. So what's happened here, Paul is in prison, and look what he says. I have judged this situation like I'm there. And he's going off of what we would call hearsay. He says, if this is true, I judge it like I'm already there. Look at verse, keep going, verse 4.
0: In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth.
1: Sounds harsh, but Paul knew, again, from the from the perspective that we don't come from, the church was never designed for the non-believer. The church was never designed for the non-believer. Paul knew this because when he was Saul and he first became a Christian. They wouldn't even let him come to church until they knew that they knew he was saved. They didn't do this back in the Bible days. They didn't just walk up to Roman soldiers and say, hey, Roman soldier, we're having church this week. Come on through. He'd be like, all right, I'll be there. And he's going to show up with all his Roman soldier buddies and they're going to wipe out your church. See, remember they told about you see the little fish symbols, you know, the history behind that. The church was a secret thing, and it was because those who believed, it was dangerous to invite a non-believer to church because you didn't know if they were a spy or not. The church was always a place for the believer. So understand this. What we've done in our church culture, we've flipped the script, and we try to make the church an outreach. The mission was to the disciple to go and make a disciple, and the disciple would follow you to church. So therefore, if I see Shelly bring somebody in, I figure she's already checked them out or she's discipling them. She's not waiting for Pastor Mark to give the altar call for this person to get saved. Wow! But so what's happened, though, in our world is this. We start inviting people to church. You invite Joey to church. You don't know if Joey's saved. You invite him to church. He comes in. He has a great time. Man, it was amazing. Nobody asked him was he saved. He sticks around for a few years. We start giving him responsibilities. He's an usher, greeter. Hey, we give him the keys. That's a trustworthy dude, right? You see a dude collecting the money, you think that's a trustworthy dude, right? That's why nobody suspected Judas. Then, we, our dude, you are so gifted. We need to get you, you need to become a pastor, So then we make him a pastor. And when he gets to church and he's the pastor, you wonder why he's sleeping with half the congregation. Because he never got invited to Jesus. He got invited to church. The Bible didn't say go out and invite people to church. It said go out and make disciples. And that sounds harsh because the loud voices have been telling you something different. So when Paul is saying, look, if you got somebody in the house who says they're a Christian, and they're not living like one, put them out of the house so that the devil can have at their flesh that their soul might be saved. What do you mean the devil had their flesh? Well, you put them out of the fellowship and now they're in isolation. The devil prowls around like a lion. You ever watch lions hunt? Lions look for the animal that's in isolation. So the moment that person's in isolation and we back off of them, the enemy has at them. That's why you ever see people who get upset with God and leave the church? Look how things go. They give themselves the punishment that Paul prescribes. And the enemy has his way with them. And when you're by yourself, you're not really by yourself. You ever heard this song? This rapper named NF had a song he had called Mansion. He said, I got this one room that nobody's in. I don't let anybody in. He said, then I got a revelation. I'm not the only thing alive in this room. When you are alone with your thoughts, and they're our Holy Spirit thoughts, you ain't alone. Something's talking to you. And so understand this, y'all. This ain't designed to be like, yeah, because nobody really is eager to do this. But if we don't understand this, the church will be a mess. The house of God become a den of thieves. And the worst thing we do is sometimes, that had to come on up, sometimes what we do is we value people's friendship more than we value their soul. I see you doing wrong, but do you like me? Come on, I I know the Bible says I'm supposed to do this, but how do I do this and you like me at the same time? So I'm going to leave this out. I'd rather have you like me. I'd rather you feel good about me so you can say, I love them so much they never judge me. Y'all, that is one of the most selfish things someone who calls himself a child of God can do. Hurt my feelings, please, if it's going to save my soul. And we got to start letting these loud voices keep speaking the wrong things. Come on, let me ask you this question. Do you believe Jesus cares about this person that sinned? Do you believe Jesus cares about them more than you do? Do you believe Jesus wants them saved more than you do? then why won't you follow Jesus' prescription? Why don't you trust him with that wayward child? Why don't you trust him with that wayward friendship? Why do you continue to bless people who God is trying to knock down? I'm going to keep you propped up so you never really know where you stand. Do you know that you could be standing in the way of God trying to knock a person down? so that he can save them. Remember Lot? He told Lot, I need you to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah because I can't destroy this place as long as you're there. And so sometimes you're in the way of that friend getting knocked down. Sometimes you're in the way of that family member coming to a revelation that they need Jesus. Because instead of the prescription, you're following your emotion and the heart is deceptively wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, I test the heart, I examine the mind. I give these persons according to the fruit of their doing. He says, if you really trust me, obey my word with every relationship in your life. And he's not trying to kill him. He's trying to save him. But you got to get over you watching them go through it. It's hard to watch people go through it. Hey, when my my dad wasn't saved, I was praying some radical stuff. I was saying, God, rock his world. You know what? He fell off a ladder. Lived. Still stayed hard-headed. Prayed again. Tires fell off his car while he was driving. God was rocking his world. All of a sudden, he's in the hospital. He calls me up. Come see me. And I've been praying, God, rock his world. Save him by any means necessary. My first, my dad said, don't try to save my soul. I want to hear that Jesus stuff. Started praying the hard stuff, backed off, let God have his way. And all of a sudden, he just started confessing every sin on that bed he ever had. I said, Dad, what are you doing? I'm trying to give my life to Jesus. Y'all, your absence sometimes speaks louder than your presence. Your presence can give somebody a false security. I had all my friends... They used to call me contact because they all smoke weed and I wouldn't smoke weed. So I would just sit there. They used to call me contact. I'm trying to give them Jesus. Then after a while, somebody said, are you trying to give them Jesus or are you just hanging? I said, I'm pretty much just hanging. So I, I pulled out. And my absence began to speak. Where's Hannah? He's doing the Jesus thing. Next week, where's Hannah? He's doing the Jesus thing. After a year, they realize he's still doing the Jesus thing. And guess what? One by one, he began to go all those friends out of that circle and they come find me wanting to give their life to Jesus. I had to trust Jesus, and I love my boys. I had to trust Jesus with my boys. Are we getting this? So, just close your eyes for a moment. As we take this journey, we got to have a commitment to do everything God's way. And some of us have some relationships that we see this scripture, it terrifies us. Will you trust God with that relationship today? Will you surrender that relationship and your grip on it to God? Because your way is not working. His way works. You've been doing it your way and they still haven't gotten any closer. He's not going to just get them closer. He's going to save them. Can you just lift your hands to the Lord if you're willing to surrender those relationships to the God. And maybe you got to surrender yourself to God first. got to lay down my mindset. i got to lay down my grip. i got to lay down my dreams and the way I want things to go down. God, i got to trust you. Here I am, God. This is scary. I believe. Help my unbelief. I give it to you, God. I give them to you, God. You know how bad I want them saved. Here the Lord's telling you he wants them saved even more. Let him humble them. So he can lift them up. And let him humble you so he can lift you up. Father, in the name of Jesus, it's hard, God, because we love people, but we trust you. So we released our mindset, we released our expectations, we released our offenses. We release it all to you right now. And God, we say we're your disciples. Give us the grace to obey your prescriptions, even for the most challenging areas in our lives. And I pray in the name of Jesus that this prayer will bear hope and encouragement in people's lives, even this week, so they can give you more of themselves through that encouragement. May your joy be our strength, and we trust you, and we trust you, and we trust you, and give us more grace to trust you more, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, love you, go out there and live it out, and uh, start by picking up your kids. Love you all, have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon for this week. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Please feel free to subscribe and share our podcast with family and friends.
0: To learn more about New Creation Ministries, please check out our website at www.ncm.life.